Hello, and welcome to the Tarot to Go radio podcast. I'm Anastasia Hazler, Executive Director, with me here today. Rose Red, hello everyone. And our very special guests, Ruth Ann and Wald Amberstone of the Tarot School in New York City. Hi. Hello, hello. Hello. Thank you, too, for taking some time out of your afternoon to chat with us. I really appreciate it. Well, we definitely enjoy the process. Oh, good, good, good. So, um, by the way, Andrew and Artemis are not able to join us today, but they send their best, and hopefully they'll be back soon. Um, real life just happens sometimes. Indeed, and they're both looking forward to uh, 2009 and their reader studio. Yes, which is why we have Ruth Ann and Wald here today to talk with us about all the delights that await us at the Reader Studio 2009. I wonder how many people are aware that the Reader Studio even exists. Um, well, our listeners certainly do because we, <laughs> we end up referring to it in pretty much every podcast we do. Lately, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it, it just it comes up. It's such a central event. And um, so many of the people that we interview either attend or speak at it that it just sort of comes up in conversation. Mm -hmm. and, um, and besides, people who don't know about it should, and everybody should go. Indeed. It's actually been a long, um, I don't know what you'd call it, not a struggle. It's been a long process mm -hmm. to go from the time when almost nobody knew about it to the time when it has become something to do, something to look forward to, and that the community itself has taken it and made it its own. We started out making it a tarot school event. It was, it was our interest to make it so. It was our energy that brought it to pass, that brought it from one year to the next. Mm -hmm. We had to make it so, mm -hmm. so that if it were to happen, it was because we carried it on um, our effort. Mm -hmm. But now what's happened is that the community seems to have taken the, the Reader Studio to its heart and begun to make it happen in ways that we couldn't have anticipated, so that the event has now become a co-creation between ourselves and the community at large. And it seems to be going in that direction more and more, and we're absolutely delighted that that's, that's the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, um, Reader Studio 2008, the one this year, uh, was the first one that I actually attended. Um, you know, it's like, oh, I should go, I should go, I should go, and you know, it never quite materialized. And for 2008, I said, okay, I'm doing this, I'm going. Um, in part because um, Thalassa was speaking, and you know, we all love and adore our very own Thalassa. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, let's go, let's hear Thalassa, and then you know, let's go to the other side of the country and you know, meet all these East Coast tarot people. Mm -hmm. And um, Rose Red and Andrew and Artemis actually ended up being able to go as well. Exactly, it just worked out. You know, we had our little San Francisco contingent there, and it was a fabulous experience. It was just, you know, this total three-day immersion in the world of tarot. Mm -hmm. And also being able to see other people from a different viewpoint, because, again, we're so used to everybody in San Francisco, and then we get to meet all these great people from the East Coast and how they do things. It's really awesome. Was there a noticeable difference? Um, well, mostly it's just an opportunity to get to meet them and work with them. Because, you know, here in San Francisco, you know, we have people like Mary Greer and James Wanless and Joseph Martin and Thalassa who are all out here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you kind of get, you know, I don't want to say one gets used to having Mary Greer at a workshop <laughs> because it's always a delight to be in her classes. Um, but you kind of, you know, there, there's a certain group that you're used to being with. Right. And then you get out of your own neighborhood and you get to meet new people and get to take classes with people that you wouldn't normally get to. Get see. to. 
because um, you know, you've read their books or you've worked with their decks or whatever, but you get a chance to hear them, maybe even you know sit down and have lunch with them and exchange ideas, and it's very exciting. Well, and I also was excited because we got to meet a bunch of people that I keep reading their different blogs and their different writing on Tarot L and all these things, and then to actually get to meet them like Debbie or Gail Wood, and that was really awesome to get to have that, oh, wow, this is who this person is versus I've been reading you for a while, you know. And we don't, they, they live on the East Coast, so we don't get to see them very often. Yeah, because, you know, it's, it's, you know, the East Coast is not that far away, and yet, you know, for all that, um, we don't, you know, people don't mix. Or like if you're in Iowa, where there's not, you know, an intensely tight-knit tarot community like there is in larger cities. Um, it's really this great opportunity to, to actually, you know, form that community because I think, you know, with the online, with Tarot L and Eclectic and all that, people do, and, you know, the Reader Studio Ning for that matter. Yeah, that's true too. You know, we all spend a lot of time online together, but then actually being physically present in the same room is a much different kind of energy. That was one of the uh, really special things that happened at the 2008 event. There was a group called Tarot for Life, mm -hmm. and they've been meeting online for three to four years without ever having met. And they developed very close ties to mm -hmm. one another over that time. And this was the first time that many of them had ever met each other. Mm -hmm. And it was quite an emotional experience for them. Mm -hmm. um, another way that the conference has been evolving is that you mentioned that, that you came as the San Francisco contingent, you know, the whole group of you were able to come. Mm -hmm. The Tower for Life group came as a group. And there are a number of other um, groups like that, the Living Tower Meetup, people from Dallas and also other meetups around the country, mm -hmm. have started coming. Instead of individual people saying, I personally am going to go to the Reader Studio, people have been coming as little mini communities. Mm -hmm. And in addition to those who are in isolated areas and don't have people that they, that they know on a personal level to come with, we have a combination now of individuals and people who are coming in groups. And the mixing and, and mingling on that level has been quite dynamic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, it's, um, cause it's funny because we got in way too early on Thursday morning because we took an overnight flight because that's the best way to get a non-stop from the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And um, got to the hotel incredibly early and checked in the room. And um, the first person I met and who I hadn't met you know, in person before was Paul Naj. Isn't he a wonderful person? And it was just, you know, I'm in the elevator and I'm, I'm brain dead because we were on a plane all night. And he introduces himself like, oh, my God, you're Paul Dodge. This is so great to meet you. Yeah. And, you know, the conference hadn't even begun yet. And it ju just being able to, to make the personal connection, because no matter how much time you spend together online, it's just not the same as sitting down with someone. Mm -hmm. That is one of the interesting, unsuspected um, effects, I think, of modern technology mm -hmm. is to connect people who would not otherwise have a chance to ever meet because mm -hmm. they're separated by time and space, mm -hmm. but to give the people who are connected in that way a hunger to meet each other in person. Mm -hmm. There is something so different about a real person as compared to a virtual one right. that after a while you feel as though you are not nourished 
properly mm-hmm. unless you've actually had physical contact with those people. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And the reader studio is what gives that. And I think one of the things that produces the intensely high energy of the reader studio environment is that absolute deliciousness, the hunger, the pleasure of satisfying the hunger for actual contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause- you know, it's because it, Paul and I, you know, we're in the elevator, and you know, an elevator ride is not that long, and yet in that time, it was just like, wow, this is great, and and just it somehow concretized all the contact we'd had prior. You know, that that somehow, you know, all this virtual stuff suddenly how, somehow became more real in a way, and that was that was really thrilling mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the whole Reader Studio weekend experience was fabulous. Um, One of the interesting things also that happened was. <clears throat> Excuse me. This last Reader Studio 08 was our very our maiden voyage, you might say, with mm-hmm. a new hotel, mm-hmm. a new venue, mm-hmm. um, a certain number of new um, mechanisms for meeting that we put in place over the previous year. Mm-hmm. We have gone from a relatively small attendance, ranging from oh 60, 70 people. We went to 90, 100 people. Then we went last year, this past Reader Studio. 240 people, and people who had come earlier to the first ones that we did were a little bit nervous that the intimacy of the entire experience would be lost. And they loved the intimacy. There was something extremely pleasant about it. Mm-hmm. And as you probably know, there are things that, there are blessings that come from small groups. Mm-hmm. And there are different kinds of blessings altogether that come from large groups. The, and the energy is different. And everybody who, was, who had had the experience of the intimate small groups was worried that they would lose that. Right. When we got to this hotel and we had this number of people and the room was bigger and the whole event was bigger, and we also faced it with a worry that we would lose something. And as it turned out, it was quite the contrary. We all gained something. The intimacy was not lost. It was actually expanded. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and the energy level for the whole thing just soared. Mm-hmm. And at the end, when the uh, last sessions were happening, and we all passed out, we passed out the, um, the certificates of completion for, for the event, the energy in that room was just bursting. And the, the whole group kind of rose on a crescendo of, of delight with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we had never seen that before. Wow. I mean, it was like riding a wave. It was like one of those people on a surfboard, you know, who mm-hmm. waits for one of those great cresting <laughs> waves and rides a 50-foot wave into the, into the shore, uh-huh. and absolutely reveling in the, in the beauty of the, of the experience. And that's sort of what mm-hmm. it felt like to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, was, it was really amazing because, you know, the, the, the last thing is you give everybody the certificate and people are called up one by one. And that was so amazing to me. It's like, People I don't know were cheering for me and applauding, and, and it, was, it was like, oh, this is exciting, and, and being able to do the same thing for everybody else who was there. So even the people that I hadn't had a chance to really sit down and get to know, it, we were still linked somehow because we'd shared this experience, and we were cheering for each other and rooting for each other, and, and that was really, it was really quite emotional. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in a happy, positive way, but it's just like, oh, this is my community, and I love this. That, I think, is the primary new ingredient in this whole thing, is that what you just said. Mm-hmm. This is my community. Mm-hmm. It isn't Ruth Ann and mine community. It isn't the Carroll School community. It's now the community's community. Right. One thing that we've noticed more and more, and especially over the last couple of years, is how the community has 
individuals in the community have taken it upon themselves to add to the stone soup mm -hmm. of the conference. Mm -hmm. And just by coming up with ideas, not waiting for us to say, oh, you know, it would be fun if we did such and such. Why don't you do this? Mm -hmm. So one example, which was kind of um, just a, a, a little thing that turned out to be extremely popular, Sasha Graham, who is one of our students in New York City, had this idea of working with the, uh, the bartenders, a bartender friend of hers and the bartenders at the hotel, to come up with tarot-themed drinks. That was so much fun. And that's what we kept hearing. I thought, oh, that'll be a cute little thing. Mm -hmm. But so many people were just having the best time with that, and I would just, you know, hear people saying, have you tried death? You have to try death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, uh, it also was nice because it, uh, sometimes being at a big conference hotel can be very impersonal and, you know, it's like, oh, great, it's another chain hotel with, you know, another chain of everything. Um, but it felt very welcoming, both that, you know, you as the organizers had thought of it, and the hotel was willing to make that step, um, I, I think speaks very well for their hospitality. Mm -hmm. um, oh, the, the staff there is just amazing. We're really very blessed to, uh, to be working with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there were some other things that came out of the community, just, you know, ideas that we can't think of everything. Right. And, and nobody can. And the real terrific thing about having a creative community, such as the tower community is, is that people will come up with ideas that just keep enhancing whatever it is that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we've been doing for a number of years now that has become increasingly popular is the optional study groups in the evening. Yes. Yes. We have um, a, what we call a celebrity psychic fair. <laughs> where people who have been past presenters or study group leaders at the Reader Studio can offer readings. So you have an opportunity to have a reading with Rachel Pollack if you want to, mm -hmm. you know, or, or any of the people who are um, who are at the conference who are offering these readings. Right. But at the same time, one year, this was, oh gosh, about three years three ago? Three years ago, I think, yeah. Kevin Quigley came, approached us and said, you know, I have an idea for a little mini workshop that I'd like to do on tarot and I Ching and yeah, that's Feng right. Shui. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And it, you know, it was something that he was working on, and he wanted to try it out. And he said, you know, do you think that it would be okay if I just offered this to a few people if they wanted to experiment with me mm -hmm. on this? And we said, oh, well, okay. You know, well, we can set you up with a table during the this little psychic fair time mm -hmm. and he charged a, a separate tuition where the money just went to him mm -hmm. and it was a tremendous success people just loved it they loved kevin yeah loved kevin <laughs> we wound up having him as a main stage presenter but um it it was a great idea and so then the next year we had a few more study groups and mm -hmm. the next year we had a few more study groups. Right, and mm -hmm. this year we're going to have even more study groups. Right, we're going to have ten of them to choose from in 2009. And oh no! I know, that's, that's like the downside is that you have to choose. We sort of compromise. Most conferences you always have to choose. You know, right. You've got four tracks going simultaneously with stuff and the thing that we always, you know, 
made the the reader studio was different in that everybody would be going to the same classes together and sharing the experience. Mm-hmm. Didn't have that the agony of the choice. Right. But the stu- the study groups, which are electives, kind of evolved as a a parallel mm-hmm. phenomenon. So there are certain things you don't have to worry about making a choice, and then you are offered choice. Right. But the good thing about that is that it becomes more like special interest groups. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot more focused mm-hmm. on something that you personally want to learn about. Mm-hmm. And also, it gives members in the community who have something to teach and to share a platform. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be superstars. They don't have to have written 15 books <laughs> or have a huge following, which is the kind of thing that most conferences need in order to draw people in. Right. Mm-hmm. So it gives people the, you know, the, the opportunity to build a following, to get known, to get their teachings out there, mm-hmm. and, and build up to that level and to make, you know, possibly make publishing deals, which happens at the conference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the interesting things that occurred in, the, in this uh, study group business was that we had discovered an interesting but unexpected thing which was that there really aren't that many stars. No. <laughs> you know, if you're doing three main stage presenters a year, mm-hmm. and you work at this for six years, and you don't want to repeat yourself, all of a sudden you, you find the need to find 18 different people right. who are capable of drawing in uh, a group who wants to hear them. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's hard to do. <laughs> yes. yes. I mean, three, four, five, six, seven, maybe, but mm-hmm. 18? <laughs> and then you got next year and the year after that, and it keeps on marching forward. Uh-huh. And so we found ourselves uh, facing the uncomfortable reality that the tarot community had not produced 18 big stars. Mm-hmm. And we had to find them, and we had to find people who... Um, everybody else would want to see. Right. So one of the things that uh, Kevin Quigley provided us with in the study group business was a way to vet new stars. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. That's what happened. Kevin himself became, I think, the very first of those. Mm-hmm. And we found that the study groups would be, in some cases, wildly popular with the people who attended them. Mm-hmm. And last year, as many as 20 or 23 or 24 people would attend an individual study group. Mm -hmm. That's great. And there were several of them going at the same time. Mm -hmm. And we discovered that there were these new, they weren't really new, they've been around for a long time, but new in in terms of general awareness, that there were these new stars. Right. We, Ruth Ann and I, could actually attend study groups as participants and listen to and observe uh, these new stars and see whether they were people we wanted to cultivate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was a great way for us to find out whether people who knew tarot were also good teachers. True. Because like, they're not always the same thing. Right. A good <laughs> presenter is not the same thing as a good author or a good teacher. They ha- to find the combination is actually a rarity. So we were able to do that. And it turned out to be a great way to produce uh, the, the upcoming crop of new tarot stars. That's great. It was great. And we found also that it was a great winnowing process for us, for people who called us or asked us from outside, could I, could I present at the Reader Studio? I want to be a presenter at the Reader Studio. And we had never seen them teach. Mm-hmm. We might not have even known who they were. Right. Mm-hmm. So now what we say is come to the Reader Studio, be a participant so you know what it's like. Mm-hmm. And when you're ready, offer us a study group proposal. 
So there's a vetting process. First you come. Then the next time you come, you offer a study group proposal, and if, you, if we like it, we'll have you do a study group. Mm-hmm. Then we'll watch you do what you do, and a year or so later, you know, after people have gotten a chance to know you and you've developed a little following at the Reader Studio itself, we may be prepared then to offer you the chance. So now people who are ambitious in this particular way have an actual process to go through that will that will bring them to the top of the of the of the uh, of, of our attention, and it's a vetting process that actually is valid. That's great. We didn't have to invent it; it just sort of organically happened. Mm-hmm. And oh. now we have a way of producing uh, a continuous crop of new tarot stars, mm-hmm. and nice. they're vetted and tried and tested, and the uh, the audience has a chance to look at them, and if they have any any promise, but they still have a couple of rough edges, we could polish them off, and by the time they actually show up on the main stage, they're good and ready and solid, and everybody wants to see them. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yeah, it turned out wonderfully. And, and all, all without effort, so. Well, it wasn't without effort, but we didn't have to invent it. Right, exactly. So that's The other good. thing we didn't invent was the breakfast roundtable, mm-hmm. was the idea of Corrine Kenner. Mm-hmm. And the way that started was she said, you know, I have breakfast. Not everybody gets up for breakfast. <laughs> I don't like to eat alone. Uh-huh. So how about if I just offer this little informal discussion? Mm-hmm. And so maybe, you know, she figured like half a dozen people would join her. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> we had something like 40, 45 people <laughs> who showed up for, the, for her little breakfast round table thing. And the... the the hotel restaurant was overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> and the next year, the, you know, we added a second one, and they got even bigger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, they sort of became their, their own thing. Mm-hmm. But again, that wasn't something that we had thought of. Mm-hmm. You know, and she didn't even really, she had no idea that it was going to go the way it did. Mm-hmm. But we've incorporated it into a permanent part of our schedule. Mm-hmm. And this coming year, um, Garnet came up with the idea of luncheon. Yes. Well, actually, that even had a prior thing, because um, there were so many people at the event in, in RSO8 that the restaurant itself was a little bit overwhelmed just because there were that many people showing up all at once, and their restaurant wasn't able to handle 100 people at a time. Mm-hmm. So they pretty much pushed on us this year to provide a, um, uh, a prearranged lunch Mm-hmm. luncheon that they would serve as a buffet to the crowd at large and it would be like a like a, a banquet mm-hmm. except it was at lunch mm-hmm. so that their restaurant wouldn't be overwhelmed it would be something created just for the tarot school a separate menu and uh, where the service would be good and fast and the payment would be done in advance and it would all be done so that the hotel could accommodate the large numbers of people that showed up all at once so we said okay okay we'll see how it flies and it turned out that the idea was really good because the hotel provides a wonderful, a really wonderful menu, probably better than their restaurant provides, <laughs> at a price lower than, they, than the people would pay at the restaurant if they went separately. So it worked mm-hmm. out really well. Mm-hmm. And I would say that 80 or maybe even 90% of the people who have signed up for the Reader Studio uh, so far for next year have decided to take that lunch mm-hmm. and pay for it in advance. Well, we knew we were going to have the lunch, and we knew it was going to involve 100 people or more. And so at that point, Garnet came to us and said, you know, we could do a learn and lunch. 
Mm-hmm. Right. I like Actually, to learn, I'm yeah, sorry. Elizabeth, <laughs> Elizabeth came up with that term. Oh, okay. But anyway, it was Garnet who had the idea that at the lunch itself, there could be uh, a, a bit of instruction, and it would actually be more of a performance in her case mm-hmm. than, uh, than instruction, although it combined the two. And we have two lunches, so we needed another person to do it at the other lunch. We found another wonderful person to do that. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that when people come to these lunches, this, this will be the first time we're doing it in '09. But when they come to this lunch, they are going to have the best old time. You cannot imagine how much fun is being prepared yeah, for Yeah, they're going to be pretty hilarious. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, we now have not only the breakfast roundtable, but we now have the lunch, the, uh, the lunch, and, le- lunch and learn, is it? Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 So, so we have a way for two more presenters to show, some, to show another interesting version of the learning process, because, of course, in this case, with the lunch, it has to be a combination of short energetic, a lot of fun, and good instruction all at the same time. And that's a whole additional kind of teaching. Yes, it is. We, we, we figured between what this, the three master classes, our master class on the pre-conference class on Thursday, mm-hmm. um, two breakfast, two luncheon presenters, and then 10 study groups. We had, what, like 18? We have 18 presenters at yeah. this conference. Wow. And it, we, the original idea was to have three. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most people doing reading. Most people doing right. reading. Uh-huh. Oh, it, it's it's funny. Like, I guess for for our our SO9, we're each just gonna have to like take a different <laughs> evening class and then compare no. notes afterward. Oh yeah, right. You have your come with your group, split up, and all do and all that. Yeah, and then uh, meet together and compare notes. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah, meet together over a tarotini and compare notes about classes. Yeah. Oh, here's another interesting thing. I'll tell you, we're sort of throwing in all of these interesting things at once without your having to ask us. I hope you don't mind. Uh, no, oh, no. It's, 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 you know, guests who, who just sort of keep going without a lot of prompting make my job lots easier, so I'm fine with it. Okay. <laughs> well, when we began in 2003 and then forward for two or three years, we conceived the Reader Studio to be a three-day event, mm-hmm. starting on Friday, going through Saturday, and ending on Sunday. And that's the way it was. Except for the fact that there were a few people who had come from out of town from far away who decided they would come in on Thursday just so they could get used to the new venue Mm -hmm. and they would have a little bit of time to rest and be prepared because the event starts pretty early on Friday Mm -hmm. and they didn't want to fly in on Friday and dive right in so they thought they'd give themselves an extra day. So there were a few people who came in on Thursday. The following year in 04, we knew that there were going to be a few people coming in on Thursday. We already knew who was going to do that. And so Ruth Ann and I said, well, you know what, for the people who come in on Thursday, we'll do a little class of our own. We'll, we'll offer them something to do on Thursday to keep them interested and occupied. Mm-hmm. And we were given a suite by the hotel as part of the uh, contract that we negotiated with them. Mm-hmm. And in the suite, there was room enough for, oh, anywhere up to a dozen people to sit in a, uh, in a lot of, uh, kind of little living room set up. Mm-hmm. And so we invited this little group to come and join us for a class, for a pre-conference class on Thursday. And we got, oh, I think the first time we got maybe five or six people to come. Mm-hmm. And each year after that, we would offer a Thursday class. And the next year, it was 10 people. The next year, it was 12 people. And the next year, I think uh, two years ago, in whatever it was, 06, I guess, 06, 07, I guess, whatever, 06, I think, was the last, 07. 07 was the last, year, the last year that we had, um, uh, that we worked in Queens. We had a hotel in Queens that we worked with at that point. Mm-hmm. And... We had 22 people come to the Thursday pre-conference class. 
went up from 6 to 22, mm-hmm. and that's because more and more people were coming in on Thursday, and mm-hmm. I think the fact that we offered a Thursday class was to some extent an inducement to come on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So um, we knew that more people were going to come than ever in 08. <clears throat> the, the event was sold out by the end of November, I believe, or early December, and we had 140 people coming instead of 98 the year before, and it was getting really big. Mm-hmm. And we offered the Thursday class, and people were signing up for it as part of their tuition. Right. And they would sign up at the Reader Studio. They would pay for the Thursday class if they chose to do so. And we made a pretty elaborate uh, plan. Ruth Ann and I created a, an elaborate class, and we did a good job of it. And in 08, we had, I believe, 62 people wow. in the Thursday class. Yeah, it was, it was well attended because I was there. Yeah, and well it was a fabulous class, and because I was thinking, okay, it's the night before the conference. It's going to be a small group, and it's like, no, we're kind of filling this room here. Yeah, yeah the, the Thursday class was actually larger than one of the early years of the conference. Wow! Right. So it's like it was an entire conference worth of people, and this year so far counts. Is There's the 54 so far, and we're a long way from done. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so the point is, uh, that I'm getting at is that aside from the growth of the, uh, of the event, there's the fact that Thursday became a time when a lot of people would show up. Mm-hmm. And so instead of there being a little trickle of people, I would say that half or possibly more than half of the total number of attendees in 08 came in on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what also happened in 08 was that some people came in on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and even one couple came in on Tuesday. <laughs> wow. And then this year, there's a whole bunch of people. We had to make special arrangements with the hotel to extend the discount block of rooms that we have. You know, mm-hmm. the, room, the regular rate for the rooms is somewhere in the neighborhood of 230 or 240 a night, and now it's, we have these for 139 a night, and that's mm-hmm. our discount block. Mm-hmm. And so we extended the discount to extend all the way back to Monday. Great. Because there are people, there's a bunch of people coming in on Tuesday and, and also a bunch of people coming in on Monday. Mm-hmm. And there are people who are staying over on Sunday night and staying till the following Monday. Wow. So the event by itself, without any attempt on our part to make it so, has extended now from Monday to Monday, and it's become a week-long event. The planned activities actually start on Thursday, but what's happening is that uh, groups are making their own plans to go into Manhattan. Some of them have uh, interest in even going into Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And just also be able to relax a little bit Mm -hmm. and hang out with each other. Some people have set up business meetings ahead of time because they know they're going to be really busy during the conference and they want to have, you know, good extended time to, to talk. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of reasons for people to come in early mm-hmm. that are not part of the formal Reader Studio program. Right. So it's sort of like a de facto extending of <laughs> the event. Well, you know, if, if nothing else, you know. was that people were so entranced with the social aspect of the event. Mm-hmm that the social became at least as large an, uh, an inducement to come as the learning aspect of the event. Mm-hmm. Very true. And so the social aspect, trying to fit into the same time as the learning aspect, simply made the um, energy of the event so high and furious that some people felt that they were overexcited and overworked. Mm-hmm. And so they began to think of coming in earlier in order to enjoy each other's company mm-hmm. as a separate and full partner with the learning aspect. And so we actually find ourselves now 
coming in early. Ruth Ann mm-hmm. and I would normally come in on a Thursday evening and set up for Friday. Right. We found out last year that that was inadequate. We needed more time to set up because the event was larger, so we're coming in on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. For all I know, we may end up coming in on Tuesday. <laughs> I don't know. Well, there are people coming in that are right. we want to hang out with. Yeah, there you go. We don't want to work all weekend. So. Yeah. No, it's, it's, well, yeah, it's funny. My, my husband and I were chatting this morning over breakfast, actually, about, oh, we should see about flights. And um, it's like, well, when do we want to go? And it's like, well, the class is Thursday night, so maybe get in Thursday morning again. It's like, yeah, but I was really tired during the class because turn around, blah, blah, blah. It's like, when do you go Wednesday? It's like, when do you go earlier and then just, like, play a few days in Manhattan and, you know, do the museum thing, mm-hmm. you know, and then go to the conference. So, so we haven't decided yet, but, you know, the, that proximity to New York City is really intoxicating in a mm-hmm. way. Well, because, you know, it's funny. The... Um thing that would prevent a person from coming in early would be twofold. One is that most people have to work. There's that. <laughs> so, you know, taking off from work can be uh, an issue. Mm-hmm. Unless you plan this as your vacation. Well, but that's the thing. If you, turn, <laughs> if you turn it into a vacation, if you're going to come in on Thursday, well, you're already probably taking off from your regular work week, so what the hell, you might as well you know, ask your boss to let, you, let you off on Wednesday. And if you can do Wednesday, well, hey, we just take off the week and just take our personal days, our vacation days, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that problem is to a certain extent solved by simply wanting it to be that way. Well, you know, for, the, for those of us who are self-employed, you know, right. we just work all the time anyway. Right. We work all the time. We bring our work with us wherever we go. You know, there's a la- I, I have a laptop. There's internet connection. I can work, so right. I can so leave the town. The second objection was, well, it costs a lot of it. It costs extra money to be there. But when you actually think about it, the uh, two main issues that make the event expensive, the primary of one of those two is airfare. Mm-hmm. Well, the airfare isn't going to be a, in any way affected by having an extra couple of days. Whatever day you come in on is going to cost you the same amount for the airfare. So that part of the event is not going to be made more expensive by coming in early. Mm-hmm. Actually, sometimes it's cheaper to fly earlier in the week. Yeah, yeah. T- Tuesday is... There is the event itself. What it costs to come to the tarot, uh, to the reader studio, isn't going to change. Right. To come in early. Uh, so what you're left with is a little bit of additional money for food mm-hmm. and the cost of the room. And it's, since it's $139 a night, and the chances are fair that you're going to be sharing it with somebody, that sharing the room with somebody, and therefore sharing the cost, coming in a day or two early is going to add, what, $80, $100, maybe $150 to your total uh, cost. And since you're already spending a bunch of money to come, adding an extra 100 or $150 and getting an extra couple of days is a pretty good deal. Yeah, it's not bad at all. So it turns out to be between the two, the two objections, one that you have to take off from work and the other that it costs more money, both of those sort of solve themselves. Mm-hmm. That's funny. I was at the um, TABI conference, the Tarot Association of British Isles conference, earlier this year. And, um, you know, one of the objections that people always have about big conferences like Register Tabby is, well, it's expensive. And it's like, well, for the experience, no, it's not. And objectively, no, it's not. You know, knee surgery is expensive, okay? Right. <laughs> you know, if you want to get, you know, let's, let's define terms here. It's all relative. Um, but I was talking with someone, and I said, well, okay, say it costs you this much for airfare and this much for the conference and this much for incidentals because, you know, there's some shiny object you have to take home with you at the end of the conference. I said, you know, how much is that a week? If you take that amount, you know, it's $500, divide it by 52 weeks in a year, $10 a week, you can get there. You know, surely you can find $10 a week to put in a savings account and pay to go next year. And it was revolutionary 
to this person. She'd never thought of it that way. She was thinking of it as this big chunk of $500 that she'd just have to come up with. I was like, well, no, it's only $10 a week and you can probably swing that. Um, and I think for a lot of people approaching it that way and breaking it down, if, well, if I just do this amount per week, then I can go, makes it much more approachable. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, it's funny. What you're talking about there is, a, is really, more than anything else, a matter of attitude and approach. Mm -hmm. There was a long time when the tarot community, I think, as far as I remember it, regarded itself as poor. Mm -hmm. And events were calculated and created to fit within what I always thought of as a poverty mentality. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't afford it. Oh, mm -hmm. I don't have any money. The most I can spend is $10, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. When the first of the conferences that became general with the uh, Chicago group, started in 1995, I believe. I think that, or was it 97? I think it was 97. It was the first one that we went to, and it might have been that there was one before that, but no. I think not. I think that was the first one that Janet Barris did in Chicago. It cost, I don't know, 150, 140, 160, something like that, plus mm -hmm. some additional money if you wanted to be part, wanted to take part in the banquet. Right. And for a very long time, Janet had one of those every other year mm -hmm. from 97, 99, and 2001, which was pushed over to 2002 because of 9-11. Right. But for the three years that she did it, it never, the conference itself never went beyond $175, I believe, was a conference fee plus an optional addition uh, for a banquet if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. And the idea was that a tarot conference could not go to a price beyond $195. It was out of the question. Right. Nobody would pay it. The whole, the whole community was against it, and there was that sense. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, from 1997 to whatever, 2003, when we began, inflation happened, as it always does. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't really possible to do any more what we had done. Mm -hmm. So at a certain point, we had to take the chance of extending the uh, the cost of a conference a little bit beyond the 200 mark. Mm -hmm. And it was like a barrier. It was a psychological barrier that we had to be broken. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know if, it, if the community would accept it or not. It was really a big chance. Mm -hmm. But it did. And other conferences, astrology included, you know, every kind of, of um, professional conference, from doctors and lawyers to plumbers to accordion players <laughs> to knife throwers, you name it, whatever is out there that produces a conference, all of them are more expensive than the reader's studio. They charge thousands mm -hmm. of dollars. Right. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's... And we have been told by competent professionals that our conference is at least equal to the best of theirs. Mm -hmm. And so we were basically confronted with the fact that the tarot community expected that it would cost a certain amount to do this, while the actual value of what they were getting far exceeded that. Absolutely. And I don't mind being way ahead in value over what we charge. Mm -hmm. But little bit by little bit, the cost of coming had to match the reality of what was being offered. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it took a while. It's taken us years to get to the point where we can do what we're doing now. And even so, we're still on the underside of that. And maybe at a certain point it'll go up from there. But it took a long time before people could accept that it cost a certain amount of money to go to these conferences, and a whole bunch of people began to say, okay, well, we'll do it. Mm -hmm. Then what once upon a time would have seemed inconceivable now became the order of the day. Right. And the difference was not practical. The difference was purely psychological. Mm -hmm. People began to see 
that they were getting wonderful value for their money and that they could actually do it if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so whether you save it up $10 at a time or put it on your credit card to amortize over the course of a year of payments or whether you come into a sum of money, you know, of some kind of a bonus, a yearly bonus at work or any other thing, whatever it happened to be, people found that they could pay for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's- I think there's also a shift in the way people think. Um, in you know, in terms of poverty mentality and uh, what they call abundance thinking, mm-hmm. and doing really good things for yourself, which help nurture your soul and, and enhance your career and make you new friends and things like that, um, are really valuable. And it's part of what you can attract into your life. If mm-hmm. you say that I'm going to do these things. Mm-hmm. It just brings more good things, whereas, you know, staying home and thinking, oh, no, I can't afford to go anywhere or do anything or whatever is going to bring more of the same. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, you know, your thoughts very much shape your reality. And yeah. uh, I, I was talking um, when I was at the UK Tarot Conference um, in London last month, and um, normally I'm the person who travels the furthest. But this year, um, there was a woman attending from Brazil. Mm. And so not only is she coming all the way from Brazil, but the you know, Brazilian real exchange rate to the British pound is completely brutal. And um, you know, it's like five to one or something insane. Jeez. And yeah, Rose is looking at me aghast. Um, but she said, you know, I've been planning. I want to do this. I knew I was going to make it happen. I get 30 days of vacation a year. I put them all together, and this is what I've done. And um, and I pointed to Reader Studio, by the way. Oh um. yes, we did get an inquiry from a woman from Brazil. So oh great. Brazil was the same person. Uh, well, we, well, have, we have people coming from um, all over the, the world, actually. Mm-hmm. There's somebody coming from South Africa mm-hmm. in 2009. Mm-hmm. Australia. Zambia mm-hmm. is coming. Oh. Yay. This is her first time in the United States, I believe, and it's it's a big deal that she's coming because she has done so much for the tower community with her tower forum and mm-hmm. eclectic.net, mm-hmm. and it's a really great opportunity for us to get together and honor her for, for her contribution, mm-hmm. you know, and meet her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's another one of those online things that you'll get to actually consummate in person, mm-hmm. so to speak, and um, we're very excited about that. We yeah. also, of course, have people coming from the U.K., mm-hmm. from Canada, from Iceland. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's going to be probably uh, at least half a dozen different countries represented, and it keeps changing. Every year we get people from new places. Mm-hmm. Which is good. And, you know, and Mary Collin will be there, so, um, yeah. which will be wonderful. Uh, it's always fun to see her. It's like, okay, how many continents can I see you on this year? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> People say, you and Mary know each other. It's like, well, yeah, because, you know, I keep going over there. She keeps coming over here. It's um, uh, great fun. Um, I wanted to mention before we get off on another tangent, um, the uh, Reader Studio Ning. Yes, that was also um, an idea of Kevin Quigley's. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd never heard of a Ning. (laughs) I'm... I have this idea to create a Reader Studio Ning. Mm-hmm. Um, he we said, what's that? <laughs> right. And it's, he had done it with his, I believe his high school reunion group or whatever, and uh, they said that it, it was really turned out to be very valuable. And it's essentially it's a social network, mm-hmm. which is 
unlike um, MySpace or Facebook where you have these large networks and then you have individual pages and maybe you have groups that get together. I'm not really sure how that works because I'm not tapped into that. But um, with the Ning, it, it sort of goes the other way around where you start with a community of like-minded people, kindred spirits, and create your own community. Mm -hmm. They can be public or they can be private. We have decided to make the Reader Studio Ning private in that it's by invitation only. Mm -hmm. And it's all, that only means that if you know somebody, if you want to join it and you know somebody who has come to a Reader Studio or who's a member of, of this group, they can send you an invitation. Mm -hmm. And we have, not, we have yet to turn anyone away. I mean, it's, you know, it's a really lovely thing, but it, it keeps spammers out yes. and um, you know, people who would just want to crash the party. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And right now, at the moment, I think we have over 250 people, or somewhere in the neighborhood of 250 people in mm -hmm. the work. And it's just so much fun. It's a really great way to keep the connection going mm -hmm. with people that you've met. Um, and there, there are discussions and videos and blogs and on all kinds of really instructional things. From an organizer's point of view, it's become a really useful tool for us because it's a good way to keep communication with the group. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we're going to start this year, I haven't even told this to the study group leaders, <laughs> <laughs> but um, one of the things that you can do is list events. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, uh, somebody has a class or a workshop or a book signing or something that's going on, they can list it in as, as an event. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have the study group leaders list their study groups as events. Oh, great. So that you'll have some idea in advance mm -hmm. of who's offering what, and they can, you know, have full descriptions about what they're doing, unlike a couple of, you know, paragraphs maybe that we can put on the website. Right. And the events have a feature that allows people to RSVP, mm -hmm. saying, oh, I'm planning on coming. Right. That'll give the teachers an idea of how large their group is going to be. So if they have handouts, they can prepare. Right. And uh, if there's any preparatory work, they can say, okay, guys, you know, we're going to, let's do this little exercise at home before we come. Mm -hmm. And also it's a great way to follow up with the class afterwards. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it becomes not just a, a one, two-hour get-together thing, but if you want to take the studies further, you can carry that on into the future. Mm -hmm. And then perhaps other people can join and stuff. I, I, it's very exciting. I think the whole thing is just really wonderful. Well, I've, I've had a great time on it. It's just fun. You know, what are people talking about? What are people reading right now? What are they discussing? Um, you know, what interesting things are going on? And, um, you know, looking at the event calendar, much like looking at um, Amy Lamasha's tarotcalendar.com. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, I need to be able to be in four places at the same time on Saturday in different countries to go to all these cool tarot events. Right. Well, you know, with the uh, continuous extension of this community and its continuous, continually rising excitement of the more things that there are to do, 
it may be that we as a group will finally figure out the answer to the age-old, you know, magical question of how to be in more than one place at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, um, it, it, I, I'd love that because it's like, well, then I could be at a class here and a class here and this conference all at the same time. Right. <laughs> if anybody listening would like to, um, to join the Reader Studio Ning, they can send us an email at tarot at taroschool.com or they can get in touch with uh, anybody at the Tarot to Go yes. group. Yes, yes. And, um, you know. Yeah, be happy to have them. Yeah. Indeed. And the, the other thing, um, even before I went to my first reader studio, um, is the monthly reader studio conference calls. Oh, right. And even before I had gone to reader studio this year, um, Mary Cullen actually mentioned these to me like over a year ago. And I said, oh, that sounds interesting. And, yeah, you know, get. They were her ideas. That was another terrific example that came from the community. Mm -hmm. Mary had the idea after her first reader studio. She said, "I cannot wait a year, <laughs> a whole year, to like you know be in touch with people again." Mm -hmm. So she had the idea of doing these teleconferences. In fact, we're having one tomorrow. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and they've been going now for two years. We meet every month. Mm -hmm. And they're a lot of fun. Yeah. We talk about all kinds of things. Well, I, I really liked it that, um, you know, because you don't have to have been to a reader studio to go, to, to participate. That's right. But it gave me a chance to get to know voices and get to know people. And then when I showed up at the conference, again, it's like that you know somebody online and then you meet them in person, only I knew what their voice was. That's right. And so it's like, okay, you're not wearing a name tag, but I know the voice from the conference. Yeah, the, other thing, well, the other thing I wanted to mention about the name, which is great, is because it has pictures. Mm -hmm. And some people put up little icons to represent themselves, but a lot, most people put up what they actually look like. Mm -hmm. And so you can recognize people when you see their picture mm -hmm. a lot from you know, visiting the site. When you actually see them in person, it's almost like, oh, I know you already. And then you say, oh, no, you know, we never met. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. there's a familiarity. Mm -hmm. Plus, the, um, one of the, the few complaints that I had heard from last year, and maybe, I don't know if it happened before that, but a couple of people said, oh, I wish I had known so-and-so was there. Mm -hmm. I would have gone out of my way to meet them. Huh. But because when, they, when you have a lot of people and, and there's a lot going on, you don't always know. Right. And by having the, the Ning network, you do know who's going. Mm -hmm. And you'll see their pictures and they say, oh, you know, Gail Wood is going to be there and I love her books. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a mental note to, to go find her. Right. And if you know what she looks like, then it makes it easier to go find her. Uh -huh. True, true. Yeah. Uh, so, so we've been talking about you know the the event and and, and the community and everything else. What we haven't actually mentioned is who's going to be speaking. The three main speakers for two thousand nine. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't we haven't mentioned that. Okay, for two thousand nine, we are having Rachel Pollock. Yay! Yay! Geraldine Amaral. Yes. Uh -huh. And James Wombus. Yay! Oh. <laughs> so it's a real you know heavy hitter. Group. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's a that's a group of heavy hitters if there ever was one. Oh yeah. And um, we do not know exactly what it is that they're going to be presenting. They will present us later on. Ruth Ann and I will have conferences with them, mm -hmm. and we'll find out a little bit of what they have in mind. But actually, we give them the freedom to uh, invent themselves mm -hmm. before the reader studio happens, mm -hmm. because you know things are constantly coming up, and all of these people are extremely creative people. We require of our main stage presenters a couple of things. One, that they be able to take your, to do 
to deal with what they're going to teach over the period of the hours that they're given. It's a long class. Mm-hmm. So they have to get used to doing a long class. Mm-hmm. They have to make sure that the teaching includes a lot of hands-on work with what they're teaching so that it's not just lecture. Right. right. It's a lot of participatory material. And third, they need to present material that has not been seen before. Mm-hmm. It has to be new and fresh. Mm-hmm. So it has to be new and fresh. It has to be practical. It has to be hands-on as well as lecture, and it has to be for a certain amount of time. And all of those things combined make for a fabulous presentation as a rule. And all of these people are very competent presenters. They've done it for many years. This particular group you know, is, um, is very experienced at doing workshops and things, so mm-hmm. they know what they're doing. So you can be expecting not only their expertise, but also something new, something fresh, something practical. Yeah. Well, it's, um, we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago with James Wanless, and one of the things that we were talking about was he's going to be at the Reader Studio. He's all over the place all the time, but next year his travel schedule is particularly intense. And um, you know, he, he was talking about when he'd spoken with the two of you about preparing for next year, and he said, and they want me to do something I've never done before. And I said, well, you know, you're creative. I'm sure you can handle that challenge. <laughs> He's like, I have to remember what I haven't done yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, actually a challenge for the presenters to yeah. do something really new and fresh because they're taking a chance, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and he, as he said, you know, he's been doing this for 30 years, and he's trying to remember what he hasn't done yet. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, okay, if I did it 29 years ago, does it count? <laughs> if nobody in our present group has seen it, yes. <laughs> Uh, um, but yeah, it, it, it's um, but it's it's a great lineup. I've I've had um, a number of workshops with both uh, James and Rachel Pollock, um, but I've never had the privilege of a workshop with Geraldine. So I'm very excited about this. Yeah, she's an extremely popular teacher in the Washington D.C. area. Mm-hmm. The People first time we met her was in '97 uh, when we went to that first conference at, uh, in Chicago. Oh, well, there you and go. And I first met her when I took a class of hers. You know, there's that four-track system that mm-hmm. everybody was talking about. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what it was. Oh, she was teaching something about the Osho Zen thing. I'm not sure what it was, but whatever it was, it was something that attracted me. And I had not met her before. And I didn't, in fact, at that time, know, know almost anybody in the tarot community. So it was all new to me. Mm-hmm. And we went to a class of hers, and it was a wonderful class. She's a great presenter, and I really enjoyed knowing her at that point, or meeting her at that time, and we've gotten to be friends over the years. So mm-hmm. I can promise you she's excellent. Yeah, well, it's, you know, I've heard great things about her, and, and her writing is fabulous, but it's just like I've never actually been in a class because I never get over to Washington, D.C. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like, oh, uh, it's on the other side of the country, and, and you know, it's, it's, I do have to show up for work occasionally. I mean, working for myself, I can still work pretty much anywhere, but, you know, there are times where you just have to be physically present. <laughs> well, you know, talking about that, we had, we've had a long and very happy relationship with Velasa over the years. Yes. And um, we were invited by her for years and years and years to come to BATS. Yes. And for a whole variety of reasons, including the ones I mentioned before about cost and time and stuff like that, we never actually got there. Mm-hmm. Well, she was a presenter, of course, at, uh, at RSO8, and we were delighted with her being there. And we thought, you know what, she's come out here and had to face all these problems of expense and difficulty of time and all that kind of stuff. And she's come out here. Not only that, but she's coming back again in RSO9 just mm-hmm. to be a participant. So we can no longer tell her that there's any reason why we should be at that. <laughs> not to mention the fact that we were so excited by the communal aspect of this thing that we wanted to bring as many people as we could from the East Coast 
out to her, mm -hmm. which apparently is not the norm. Um, the West Coast conferences, both in Los Angeles and San Francisco, tend to be regional, mm -hmm. with a very small participation from outside. And I don't think the East Coast has been much represented there. No. So we brought with us some people from New York, from Florida, from Dallas, and uh, we added to her event. And we went out there and had the best old time. And it was so good to see you two. Yeah, uh, we met people that we would have no other way of meeting because there are people on the West Coast who have not yet come east. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to extend that sense of community and get the feeling that it was only a matter of a, a small plane trip mm -hmm. that separated one side of the, of the country from another. Mm -hmm. And that was our contribution to the process of making the community a, a, an entire one. Yeah, and, and it was great because you because know, um, the two of you made it and Garnet, which was a lovely surprise because you know we knew the two of you were coming but didn't know Garnet was coming. It's like that's so exciting and it's so lovely to see her. Mm -hmm. um, and just yeah, Farrell came from Dallas. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, somebody came from Nevada and mm -hmm. I can't remember. There were a couple of people from the Midwest. Julie Kucher Watts came from the Midwest. Mm -hmm. That's right. And uh, so there was, a, I think there were probably about a dozen people at least who came from various parts of the country that don't normally participate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that it will become a continuous and expanding process and everybody is going to benefit from this whole communal process. Yeah, that, and it's, it's just so nice, again, to be able to have actual contact with these people that you know, you know, theoretically because you've worked with their decks or read their books um, or you, you know, read their postings on their blog or whatever, but then actually sitting down with them over coffee or a cocktail or something and actually just getting to talk with them. And I think that is probably, you know, the, the, I, I, I love going to conferences. I'm a conference junkie. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's, people always go, are you ever home? And it's like, well, yeah, but <laughs> it just seems like I'm gone a lot, but I really do go, I, I really am home more in the year than I'm gone. Mm -hmm. um, but just, you know, the workshops are great, and, and getting to study with all these people is really fabulous, but it's the in-between stuff. Mm -hmm. It's getting to meet with other people who are as passionate about tarot and as interested and have so many interesting things to say and so many interesting experiences to share. And that's what makes the conference complete. Mm -hmm. It makes it a whole experience instead of just a series of workshops. Have we reached that point in the process where we need to think about a nice wrap-up? Yeah. <laughs> I think we're there. If nothing else, you guys probably have other things you need to do this afternoon. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, 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 this has been great. Anything else you want to add? I can't think of anything at the moment. Oh, if know, people Bruce, want to... Do you have anything you want to say? You haven't got a fair on a chance to say much. <laughs> no, actually, I, I enjoy doing this because I get to hear a lot, and, and Anastasia and I are pretty much... I've discussed it beforehand, so she knows what to ask because <laughs> she's just that good. I, but I it's exciting to hear. Before. If you want to create silence, ask a group of people if they have any questions. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's one of the things in teaching is you don't say, does anybody have any questions because everybody goes brain dead and quiet. Right. right. But it, just find a way to around that. But, um, but so one, one more question we should, if people want to attend Reader Studio 2009, how would they go about signing up? Well, just go to readerstudio.com and you'll be greeted by the, the new amazing poster that Cheryl Marchetti designed. Yes. We've been doing our Reader Studio posters for a couple of years now and it's just another fabulous, fabulous contribution from the community mm -hmm. of creative energy. And, um, and that will take you to the Reader Studio website. Mm -hmm. You can also access it through tarotschool.com. Um, either way is fine, whichever one you can remember mm -hmm. better. And the sooner um, the better. It'll give you all the information about the conference. Mm -hmm. 
And there are lots of links to, to sign up. If you have any questions and would like to talk with either one of us personally, you can always give us a call at 800-804-2184, and we'll be happy to talk with you and answer any questions that you have. Yes. Yeah, you can sign up online if you want to sign up, or you can give us a call directly, and we can sign we can take care of signing up on, you know, in person over the phone. So either way is good. We will continue to offer a payment plan for a few more months, although as it gets closer to the event, the amount of the payments is obviously going to have to increase. Right, definitely. You know, to do it that way. Mm -hmm. um, so that is an option that's available. And, you know, it certainly makes it a lot more doable mm -hmm. for a number of the attendees. And, um, but, um, but if they're going to do this, better sooner than later. Absolutely. In fact, um, we have a situation where we need to make a decision by the end of the year whether to give back some of the hotel rooms. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have people that we know are going to want them, we're personally responsible financially mm -hmm. for any of those rooms that they don't sell. So, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't want to take that kind of a risk. Right. And on the other hand, we don't want to tell people, oh, well, you can't come. There's room at the conference, but there's no room in the inn. Right. Kind of thing. And apparently it turns out that that weekend, which is um, May 1st through 3rd, is something else we didn't mention, when it is. Oh, right. <laughs> it's May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd with our pre-conference class on April 30th, 2009. Mm -hmm. And that is a very popular weekend for events in the New York metropolitan area. And apparently... Almost all the hotels are sold out oh, wow. already. We have our block of rooms, and so anybody who signs up now um, will be guaranteed of getting a room. Mm -hmm. But past the end of the year, we cannot guarantee that. So reserve your room now. Yes. Reserve your spot at the conference now. Yeah, and the hotel rooms, you know, obviously you don't have to pay for until after the event. So until even if you reserve a hotel room now, and um, it's... You know, it's, it's not. You don't have to pay for it right. now. You yeah. just have to reserve now. Mm -hmm. And it's a very nice hotel. It is. It's a lovely hotel. Yes, it's the Sheraton. At the Sheraton International uh, Liberty Airport Hotel. Mm -hmm. So it's very gorgeous. easy to get to. It's a beautiful hotel, and the, and the staff is wonderful, and the food Swimming is good. Swimming pool, hot tub, uh -huh. food, yes. lots of comfy couches. Mm -hmm. A lot of the hotels we've been to do not have really comfortable sitting areas. Yeah. And this one specializes in that, which is great for our group. Right. And yeah. uh, in case you're wondering, the, the hotel rooms themselves are really lovely. They've, everything has been redone recently. And the hotel is in excellent condition. They take wonderful care of it, and it's modern and, uh, and quite beautiful. And it has Internet connectivity for those of you who just can't bear to disconnect. That's true. <laughs> I believe the lobbies are all Wi-Fi connected, so you, yes. you have that. There's high speed in the room. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. So, so it's very modern and very, very, very chic and pleasant and luxurious. So. Yes, very nice. So, well, Ruthann, Walt, thank you both so much. We appreciate you taking time out of your Saturday afternoon. Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk about this. It's really been a pleasure. And, well, and as you know, it's been getting me to talk is like pulling teeth. So yeah. well, you know, you're such a shy and retiring kind of guy, Wald. And right. you know, it's, I, I appreciate that you know you you were able to overcome that difficulty and 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 be with us this afternoon. Well, that's because you're so <laughs> gracious and kind. Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you to say so. It's it's just the two of you bring it out. What can I say? <laughs> well, have a lovely afternoon. Thank, thank you for you your time. Thank you, Rose Red. Thank you. Thank you to our listeners.
If you have any questions or comments about today's podcast, please drop us a note, podcast at taropathways.com. And thanks to everybody participating, to our engineer, Christoph. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Good night. Bye.